Well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning to everyone out there, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of The Buddhist Biohacker. My name is Lisa. I am your demystification guide, and I am so excited because we have the one and the only Andrew Bartz's Galactic Historian with us today. Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you. That intro you have is outstanding. Whoever did that, kudos, kudos, triple A plus. You did that all yourself? Hi, I wow. I did yeah. the whole thing. And then my husband did all the music because my husband's a drummer and a musician. Oh, and so thank the you. The music just matched everything. All you got to do is maybe slow down the, the stuff that you have to read a little bit. But it doesn't matter. Even if going by fast, it matches the music. Wow. Special, special, oh, special, special. You. I like the music and wow, matched everything. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah, I love it because every time I hear it, I get jazzed. It's like jazz is me for the show. Yeah, I have my own little starting thing for my show, too, where it's a bunch of clocks interacting with gears and wheels. And every time I see that, it's like it just gets me into that zone. And and one of the first shows that I did when you were still able to play music without getting a YouTube violation hits oh. all the time was uh, Bob Marley stand up for your rights. It was like the oh, first 18 God. seconds of stand up, stand up for your rights. And that showed that that just charged me when I was able to do those first shows. Oh my God. I love that song. Yes. That's so good. There's something really important about the music and mm -hmm. getting pumped up and we have such a big audience. Thank you guys so much for watching. I just want to remind all of you, please share where you're from. We love hearing that. If you have questions and comments throughout the show, we love that too. And I would love to hear how everybody's feeling. Schumann resonance been high all week long. And Andrew, this is actually not at all what we were going to talk about, but I just am curious your thoughts. So I saw somebody's post, you know, oh, Twitter, Twitter, God help us all. But I saw somebody's Twitter post <laughs> that said that they thought that the vibration, like the Schumann resonance and the energy was like all whacked this week because there's been so much uh, like ultra terrestrial activity and like UFO stuff on the news and everything. And mm -hmm. I just was curious what you thought. Like, it's definitely been a weird week. It has been a weird week. So first thing first, I do not go with the the Schumann resident standard narrative of whenever it changes, consciousness is freaking out. I have stated this for the longest time. That which you look at looks back at you. If you're looking at the 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 rating of the Schumann residents all the time, which is only from one station that gives the entire Schumann residence for the entire world, there are four reception nodes and one station that broadcasts it. Therefore, it is not actually accurate to reflect what your Schumann residence is in your local area. Second, just because we have a change in Schumann residence does not mean there's a change in consciousness. We recently had two uh, uh, CMEs hit the earth, all 12, but one, one hit uh, on Tuesday and the other one hit yesterday evening. Uh, so they were 12 hours apart. But the thing is, they stack. There's still a, a leftover energy from the first one that stacks on the second one. When we have CMEs in that way, we have a very enhanced dream world. Now, the things that are happening in our standard reality have already been contracted to happen, even if they're free will expressions at the moment, from Israel to Trump and everything in between. And then there's your individual astral world. And your individual astral world, as above, so below, is definitely going through some changes, just like our surface world is then our subsurface world is absolutely as below, so above, as above, so below, as above and below is within the center, which is us. What the above is experiencing and the below is experiencing, we're experiencing the middle ground of all of them, mm -hmm. which is some of the greater changes. So mm -hmm. I'm not a big proponent of looking at the Schumann resonance all time every day and making that your astrological generation of what's going on. I think in the long run, it actually limits your greater capacity. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to pay attention, just pay attention to the CMEs coming and going. And that's where you want to get extra quality sleep or learn how to take power naps. What I like to tell a lot of people is if you know there's a CME coming in and you have extra time to prepare, go and get tryptophan pills. That's the same stuff that's inside Turkey. You can take 100, 100 milligram uh, tryptophan pill, have a medium-sized meals, just enough that allows you to put that rest energy in. And what will happen is that tryptophan will take over and put you into the deepest power nap you have ever had, two and a half to three hours, and you'll enter the dream state right away. And you can do the same thing late at night. You can take one and a half of or two of the 100 milligram pills, and you'll have this groggy energy if you wake up where you're stuck between the dream world and the awaking world, and you can begin to experience 
some of the more in-between realms of dreaming as long as you don't fall into fear. Mm-hmm. And what I like to have people do is use their phone and use an alarm. And instead of using the, the standard alarm sound, it plays a recording of, hey, wake up. This is me telling you to wake up. You're asleep. Don't wake up too fast. Are you in the dream world? Hey, because you ha- you could chart your course of waking yourself up. And if you're really creative about it, do you remember how to fly today? Okay. <laughs> Spread your wings. And that be the alarm playing over and over instead of a ding, 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 ding. You encouraging yourself to explore the dreaming space. Oh my God, while using the trip, while using while using the tryptophan, and I've had thousands of people have amazing experiences out of it. That's good advice, and I can't I can't remember the last time I've used an alarm. So I like your idea of recording your own alarm because it's just I I don't know about you, but I've slammed into my body so many times. Me, me too. Oh, it's the worst. It's yes. the worst. I feel like, like the whole F- day. You yeah, like an F sixteen landing on an aircraft carrier at full speed. Yes. There's not enough coffee in our world for when you slam into your body. Like that's the worst thing. You know, this is good advice. I want to, you know, I always think of um, the Schumann as like the nervous system of the planet a little bit. Like that's how it it isn't. It isn't. It it isn't. The best way to describe the Schumann residence is the potential amount of life force that can go through changes. Mm, Light and magnetism are very similar. Light can be magnetic and it can be non-magnetic. So we can be powerfully magnetic beings producing light, or we could just be powerfully magnetic beings. A lot of powerfully magnetic beings experience depression because they're not producing enough of their own light to balance it out. And the Schumann residence is a is a measuring level of how much magnetic you should be and how much light you should produce in your local environment. So you're constantly raising your own frequency and the background frequency of the home and space you live in. It's what indigenous people did. They didn't need a measuring system to tell them what the background frequencies were. And what are these background frequencies? A a, a measuring system for you to go to get higher and higher and higher and higher. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If you're next to a mountain, and you're looking at your your the things on the Schumann residence, they're, they're never accurate. Again, there's only four machines worldwide that report all the Schumann residence, the data to everyone, and then it's just put out to every website that has the little widget attached to it. Okay? Yep. Okay? So makes- you have to understand the data that you're looking at. If you're next to a granite mountain or next to a limestone deposit with water underneath it, your Schumann residence is going to be way higher. Right next to the ocean, the Schumann resonance is going to be way higher than what it's stating. Now, the one thing I'll say about the Schumann resonance reading is when the CMEs come in, you see a spike inside it. That's because the Earth is beginning to absorb external electromagnetic creation and give light back out in the unseen realm, which opens up astral portals for new immigration of souls coming in. That's actually what CMEs are doing. They're delivering us new souls. Okay. That's good to know. What... um. I have so many questions for you, Andrew, because it's been, I guess, just to give you some context, like the last time we spoke, we talked a lot about ultra terrestrials and Mm -hmm. man, the uptick I'm experiencing from them coming and from traveling to them in the lucid state. And, you know, what are your thoughts about like, are, are we individually experiencing an uptick or is it just that our consciousness is more open to the uptick? Cause I've had experiences with them all my life, but this is definitely like more prominent now. And of course we have the, the mainstream narrative that's starting to actually tell. So it's it. an, in, it's an individual experience. First thing first, which you've probably heard me say the greatest lie, the light worker community propagates without awareness is that it's a collective experience and we all do it together. Yeah, no, it's an individual experience. Now, the individuals are having more experiences because the off-worlders, ultra collectives, what do you want to say? They are increasing their communication to those who are responsible enough to have a dedicated practice that grounds them in their own personal sovereignty so they can begin to have more in-depth conversations with higher beings who don't want to step on your sovereign journey. They don't want you to worship. They don't want you to fall into this, this false context that you are not equal to them. Just because they exist in a different density or dimension or don't use a body the way you are, they still want to come at you at an equal perception because at any moment you could turn on your super genius and be just as equal as them. 
And I know you've had your forms of communication where the ahas are just coming and coming and coming because they're learning how to balance in a non-competitional process with you. Mm. See, a lot of the the off-worlders that are communicating, they're on what we'll just say trans- transmission ships. There could be a ship that's, you know, a couple hundred miles long and wide, and it could have two or 300,000 beings on it. And each one of those beings has their own transmission system that will target a something that has DNA relations to them. So somehow, some way, who's trying to communicate to you? They have a lineage relation, a soul family relation, something that gives them a f- familiar residual energy that you can say, this is not alien and completely foreign to me. Therefore, I don't have to free- feel it, fear it. But I can begin to learn how to have first, second, third, and fourth contact with it and begin to generate an acquaintance that becomes a friendship that becomes more energy. Because a lot of people, they want to jump in like galactic Tinder. Tell me all your secrets. Show Mm -hmm. me the metaphorical dick pics right away. (laughs) And you can't do that with with these high beings. You have to be responsible to your awareness. Mm -hmm. It's not galactic Tinder every time you're connecting to something up there. Galactic Tinder. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and let's talk about the fear, Andrew, because a lot of people have that fear. And for me, over my own, this is just my own direct experience, but mm-hmm. my own direct experience was in the lucid state, I would often be afraid. And I have worked hard mm-hmm. to shift that. And mm-hmm. it's happened. And it's really yeah. beautiful. So I that fear has melted away. But a lot of people still have the fear. So how do they release that fear and, and open themselves up to what's out there to be able to connect and have start to build those relationships? It comes down to dedication, commitment, and courage, none of which are mystical, to begin to change yourself in the physical reality by beginning having a, having a daily practice. What I like to tell people is if you can set aside 15 minutes a day, five days a week, that's C-plus effort. If you can set aside 30 minutes a day, five days a week, that's B-plus effort. If you can set aside 90 minutes a day, six days a week, that's A-plus effort. Now, what are you going to do during that time? Variety. Don't be stuck to one style. Don't just meditate. Don't just walk in the park. Don't just do one thing. Get as much variety in there as you can. There are so many spiritual teachers that have techniques that work. Okay, you have to have to begin to implement them. Then after a while, the daily practice becomes a practice weekly practice, weekly becomes monthly. And then part of the monthly practice is look back and go, oh, wow, look what I just did. In this 30 days that I put 15 minutes a day, I discovered not only could I do this, I'm learning all this different stuff about myself. Next month, I'm going to go to 30 minutes. And the month after that, I'm going to go to 90 minutes. Then after six, seven, eight, nine months, you look back at a greater scale of your change. Then that engaged foresight. What am I going to do with the next six months of my daily practice? That's called foresight. When you learn to balance hindsight and foresight with the daily practice is where you can really target the fear that's stuck in the body in the lucid dreaming state. Look what it really took for you to get overcome that energy. Mm-hmm. What were the individual moment, aha moments that you had that said, I don't need to be fear. It's the body that's usually afraid that overwhelms the mind, which then goes into panic mode, activates adrenaline, and then destroys the positive dream. Mm-hmm. Control of the body is as simple as a daily practice of learning how to be in the body. Yeah. Okay, how to be in the body. So many people are running autopilot programs and are not in their body or they got one toe in the body. Well, yeah, because we spent so many years as spiritual communities trying to leave the body. Right. It's amazing. You know, the, the message has been loud and clear. The only way to get out is to go in. Right. Like right. we have to be in our bodies like we and these are gifts that we were given. I mean, not everybody gets to do this. No. And so many people are, are they practicing all these outer body techniques. And then when they go to have dreams, they'd have no outer dreams because you're always out of your body. Mm-hmm. So then, therefore, you have to have body-based dreams, which are releasing karmas, dharmas, things that you've, sub, you've, you've supplanted and compartmentalized away for yourself, traumas and abuses you don't pay attention to anymore, or lost dream worlds when you were younger that suddenly re-haunt you, but not in a demonic sense. Okay. A lot of people, they have these one dream that, that they, they stick with for 35 years. Let that one damn dream go. <laughs> okay, You have so many other dreams. 
I can't tell you how many times I get callers on my show. 37 years ago, I had this dream about a light that came into my reality. What does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) I got to work on that little piece of information. It was a light. It was there to tell you that you're your light. Next. And then it's back again (laughs) to these, these so trivial things, but somehow it's made such a massive impact on this person. And it made an impact because they made it a mountain out of a molehill. But then there are times that there is a significant dream that does last 20 years later. And you do go through the process, the greater process. It was a being trying to communicate to you and you shut it down out of fear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. When you're learning how to back be in the body, don't worry about what dreams you're going to have because your dreaming world skewed. It's, it's like misbalanced. And for it to come back in a balance, you've got to learn how to be in the body to dream correctly again. Mm-hmm. You were talking before about you know landing in the body and the in the in having to wake up. Okay, I, I like to tell people your dreaming vehicle or dreaming body exists in your intestinal tract. So if you don't have a clean intestinal tract, every time the garage door is open, you're going through all that metaphorical poop, which is leftover negative data, bad dream worlds, self-deprecation, fear, anxiety, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all stored in our intestinal tract. The other thing that's stored in your intestinal tract is 80% of your immune system is in your intestinal tract. Yep. Okay. There's so many things that are in your intestinal tract, the gut brain. The gut brain determines so many things about how the types of dreams you experience and the nature of lucidity to it. It's not all in the brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. The brain goes into the heart and makes cerebral heart space awareness. Cerebral heart space awareness goes into the gut brain and makes the dreaming vehicle and the dreaming mind, which then is a multidimensional explorer, which is no longer the duality. It's the singularity experiencing all the realities. Yes. And when we wake up in a dream, we're trying to make sense of all this data and we get afraid of too much data. Where else we have to learn is the mantra. If I do wake up in a dream, the data does not overwhelm me. The data does not overwhelm me. In my dream, I can use Wim Hof breathing. Guess what? Breathing will balance what? <laughs> okay. Do you dream in the do you breathe in the dreaming world? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's all sorts of little hack ways to begin to train yourself in your awakened state as part of your daily practice that will transfer it into your sleeping state. Like I talked about the the wake the alarm clock that will wake you up that's giving you a guided wake up instead of a guided meditation it's a guided waking waking you up into lucid dreaming state. Yep. And if you're enthusiastic enough and the power of your own voice and your own joy wakes you up just like a mother truly waking you up the right way instead of yelling the bus is shifting gears you're going to be late for school. Yep. Okay. Well, and this is why I love that you bring up the gut because this is why the llamas, I mean, the Tibetan llamas don't eat dinner, right? Like they stop eating about four, four or five in the afternoon. And this is part of why, because you want to be clean and clear when you go to sleep. My dream state is completely different if I do Mm -hmm. that versus if I'm not doing that. And that when do they don't eat a they don't eat a dinner, but they're still balancing their proteins. Yes, yes, yes. So sure, generally, yeah. I generally, I try not to eat after seven o'clock. So if I eat before seven o'clock, but I, I'm also a late night bug at times. And the mm-hmm. last month and a half, I have not been able to fall asleep till four or five o'clock in the morning. And it's been oh. hell on my schedule. It's been hell. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds awful. <laughs> it is. Three o'clock in the morning. I'm having a bit. I'm up. I'm going to brew the coffee, start doing work. I just can't sit there in the bed anymore. And what I've found for me what I'm experiencing is my dreams are talk, 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 and I'm not really sleeping. And then I just like, all right, I'm up. I'm up. My body is my body getting rest technically, but the mind isn't because it's all talk, 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 talk. Like, like it's like ten thousand voice, and I'm aware that every conversation is a significant conversation, but I don't need to be consciously aware of the significance of every conversation. Then, then I get up and like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to poop around and piss around and do whatever it is I need to do. And sometimes I'll, I'll go back to sleep and catch an hour of talk, talk, talk again. And then the next thing I know, it's, you know, nine, nine, nine o'clock in the morning and my day starts at 10 and ends at six Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. except for show dates. And then I don't end till 10, but you're making me feel tired for you. It's been busy though. I mean, I've been busy all night. I mean, I'm very conscious in my dream state anyways, but I agree with like the last 
I feel like the whole year or maybe it's our whole lifetimes, Andrew, but really the last month, it's been super busy when I'm sleeping. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Busy. And I have been everywhere, all over the place with all sorts of people, really active dream states. I agree. 100%. Talk, talk, talk for me. Oh, yeah. Everybody's everybody's talking. Everybody's getting significant conversations done. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that do? That eh, sucks on lack of sleep. I'm getting a lot accomplished though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it seems like I mean we can do so much more in the dream state so much more quickly than we can in this linear space we're in right now. <laughs> I agree. And then you know the other part about the reality that we're we're living in which i call the global narrative it's Mm -hmm. full of all the disbelievers who are connected to a collective of disbelievers so one believer versus a collective of disbelievers it gets disheartening after a while Mm -hmm. that's why we have to learn to be unattached to the the disbeliever and the disbelievees collective and we learn how to not attach ourselves to the global narrative but still allow it a part of our awareness we have a whole new sense of freedom to chart our own course into this shared reality hmm. where the collective power, the disbelievers can't just kick you in the nuts or in the ovaries and say, no, nothing for you today. Yeah. That's beautifully said. I love that. Yeah. I mean, we, we need each other right now for sure. Right. Cause it's, and it the individual, the individuals need other people to talk to. Yeah. Okay? That's yeah, why it could, is you know, heartening, and it's it either it's both sides of the narrative too. It's like mm-hmm. you can't to be in the middle and out of it all is the most lonely place right now. <laughs> Except for the centrists are what are getting attacked now by both sides. Yeah, you're true. not far enough left, and you're not far enough right. You're a centrist. You're evil. You're a Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> you're a communist. No, I'm a centrist. <laughs> okay. That's true too. That doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> but we have to be unattached to it. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And in taking away, like Buddhism, what does Buddhism tell you about attachments? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let it go. Oh, yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And learning to let go of the attachments of validating through the global narrative, we learn to validate through ourselves and our own experiences, which is the very nature of spirituality in every religion that's taught. Yeah. Self-validation. Hmm. Well, yeah, and understanding what the self really is, right? Know that Jesus said, "Know thyself." Yeah. Why? It's vitally important. Every major spiritual teacher has said, "Know thyself." Mm-hmm. In the journey yeah. of learning about yourself, you learn about your powers and your weaknesses. You learn what to explore and what to give a break on. I'm not ready to explore that. I need to practice some more. Or I've been holding myself back and I've got to jump into the deep end of this subject. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I love, so PJ sharing, she says, I need to up my practice. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just like you're saying that journey into the self, that's part of the discipline. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, Mm -hmm. part of the discipline is self-inquiry and really being able to look at yourself. And when Andrew is talking about, you know, spending that time every day, I mean, really spending that time looking at yourself and looking at what you believe, questioning what you believe, looking Mm -hmm. at your own perceptions of truth. I think that that's equally important to meditation is really looking at your own belief Mm -hmm. system and where it's coming from. Is it coming from programs or religious beliefs? Is it coming from facts and data? Like, you know, all of those things are so important. It's part of the discipline of focusing on the self. Exactly. And another thing a lot of people in spirituality, whether the beginning in it or a long time, is how do you hold yourself accountable? Mm. What I like to tell people is if you truly want to hold yourself accountable to getting it done, getting out of the C plus effort and into the B plus or B plus into A plus, you've got to learn schedule management. There are mothers of four that are in college that have figured out how to carve an hour aside. And you're a single person who can't carve an hour aside. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, something's wrong there. You absolutely can carve all sorts of time out for yourself. And schedule magic helps you to have hindsight and foresight. Monday, I'm going to do a meditation at four o'clock. Tuesday, I'm going to do this at four o'clock. Wednesday, I'm going to do this at three o'clock. Thursday, Friday, I'm going to do this. And then at the end of the week, 
I did or I didn't do this on Monday through Friday? And if so, if you did or if you did it, great. If you didn't, how do you hold yourself accountable? And what repercussions do you give yourself so that you can begin enhancing your commitment? Because if you're not doing it, you're not committed. If you're not doing it, you're not disciplined. We get so many people who are weekend warriors. They do their stuff on the weekend, but never during the weekday. Why? Because they don't have any energy when they're left at home. They have all these other things. And everyone else's emergencies are more important than their own Mm self-growth. Okay? You can't be a martyr to everyone else's cause and wonder why I never grow. Because you're a martyr. Okay? So schedule magic is how you begin to hold yourself accountable. And I say magic because it is magic after a while. You're the one that has to look at that schedule and go, I did or didn't do it. Okay. And if you want the A plus sticker effort with the Smurf sticker, like, you know, when you're first grade, you write down what you actually got out of the experience on your schedule. So when you look back, oh, wait, I did this meditation and I had this vision or this thing came or I saw this or this or something happened or, and you get to go, wow, it's like a mini little reminder that I had experiences. Then after a while, you look back at your schedule, two, three, four, five weeks. Oh, wait, this week I got virtually nothing out of my practice, but the week before I got everything. Why is that? Was it lack of confidence in myself? What do I got to do to make my practice more fun? And that's the other side. People have a spiritual stick so far up their ass it comes out their mouth, (laughs) and they don't know how to have fun with their practice anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, enthusiastic effort is such a vital terminology when it comes to the daily practice. I even tell people, if you can find the enthusiastic effort, don't do the practice and admit you're not committed enough to find enthusiastic effort and work on the enthusiastic effort. So you're one or two days a week. Yeah, that's D plus effort. But eventually you're going to get up to C plus effort. Eventually you're going to get up until you begin working on what what do I have to do to have a sparkle and joy behind doing and it's not a chore Mm -hmm. it's not your mom telling you to take the trash out 14 times in a row yeah well and that's where don't you think that's where the letting go of expectations comes in because i think that seriousness that intense heavy serious energy in our spiritual practices comes because we have these expectations whether it's of ourselves or what we're going to get out of it and when you release those You can start to laugh about, you know, when Mm -hmm. I have a being knocking on my door saying, hey, I want to talk to you. And and they're so crazy looking and funny, like I can have fun with them, you know, and be open and not be afraid and and connect with the information rather than feeling like it's this intense. I have to do this and I have to do it this way. That's Mm -hmm. the expectations, I think, that does that. 50 percent of its expectations and 50 percent of its instant gratification. So every time you have an expectation, you create a limitation. And the journey of getting out of expectation is a daily practice that you have to learn to master so that when you are in the moment and are free enough to allow the experience without the expectation or the instant gratification, you're in that unique mystical zone of self-creation where there isn't something influencing the nature of the experience with inside yourself. And then there's the other side plain lazy people, plain (laughs) depressive people that has nothing to do with expectation. It has nothing to do with instant gratification. It has to deal with undealt with trauma, stagnant energy that drives from self-deprecation and self-mutilation in the spiritual form. You're always beating yourself up, always saying, I'm not worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of your own experiences. And that can be a part of your daily practice if you're one of those depressies that are out there. I am worthy enough for experience. I am worthy enough to learn commitment and discipline are not mystical. I am absolutely worthy enough of love. I am worthy enough to love others and begin at that basic form. And then when you say I am worthy, I can learn to forgive no matter what it is. Learning blanket forgiveness as a daily practice. I like to tell a lot of people who are in that really depressy woe is me stage to do 30 days of complete blanket forgiveness of everything 20 minutes at a time learn how to enter the flow even if you have to write a whole bunch of things down i forgive my mom for yelling at me when i was five years old i forgive myself for beating myself up every time i ever didn't connect to a girl or a guy 
I forgive myself for not continuing my education. I forgive myself for stopping my education. All of those, everything you could potentially think as, as a right or as a wrong or wrong done to you by yourself or others, forgive. And after 30 days of doing it, you could begin to reprogram the parts of yourself that constantly whip yourself like the nuns or the or the, <laughs> the priests that are constantly whipping their backs. Yeah. Forgiveness is everything. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's everything, you know, and it's yeah. forgiveness is such a gateway. Mm -hmm. And then after a while of forgive, you're learning the forgiveness energy. You have all the other processes that come with after forgiveness, creativity, free flowing. Okay. Uniqueness. I, I am a unique, beautiful snowflake. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I am special. Now, what do I want to be special about? Mm -hmm. What are my hopes and my dreams? And what is the legacy I want to leave to the future? Yeah. That legacy word. Oh, Andrew, that's been up, up, up mm -hmm. for me, you know, and that is what we're all creating, you know, as individuals right now is this incredible legacy. It feels like that there's a big energy around that word. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's because for me, it's all about leaving the legacy. Mm -hmm. What are people going to do with it? Whatever they want. Yeah. But I did it. I followed through with my commitment, courage, and discipline. None of that were mystical. I followed through with my business. I followed through with everything I was responsible for because I allowed my awareness to be equal to my level of responsibility and my level of responsibility equal to my level of awareness. And I didn't allow curiosity learning to drive who I am. Because mm -hmm. we're not shiny to shiny to shiny to shiny. And unfortunately, too many spiritual people on the conspiracy path Shiny conspiracy to the next shiny conspiracy to the next spiritual guru or the next Baba Rumdum or this or that until suddenly we don't have focused learning effort. We only have curiosity effort. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let go of the gurus. Let go of the Baba Rumdums. Let go of the, the, the di different people that say, buy my shit. It's happening tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the time of the guru is done. I mean, that's yeah. It's just done. We are our own guru. I mean, we are our own teachers. Mm -hmm. We are our own learned beings. I like to say we're all on the journey of being self-illuminated masters. Mm. Okay. Here's a study sheet. That's what I, what's part of my legacy. Here's a bunch of things that work. Practice mm -hmm. them. Okay. What works for you? We should all be following what I call the a la carte system. What works for you in the moment. Take from this teaching, from that teaching, from this person, from that person. And what works in the moment is your practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So good. What, um, we got so many great uh, comments over here. Oh, this is such hard truth, but it, the hard truth is the good truth. <laughs> yes, it's hitting home. Yes, exactly. Okay? So I want to ask the audience, grade yourself at my effort scale. Are you C plus, B plus, or A plus with enthusiasm behind it? Yeah. If you have no enthusiasm, you're in the D scale. <laughs> okay? No matter how many how many hours you work at it, if there is no enthusiasm behind it, it cancels it out. It's like, you know, going to the crib notes and the teacher catching you cheating. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Well, and I'm so glad you brought up, you know, it's so not mystical, the discipline part. That's right. It's choice. It's, it's it choice. Is. It's choice. And it's, I love, you know, as controversial as Osho is, I loved his little statement about responsibility, that it's responsibility. It's the ability to respond, to respond. Mm -hmm. which empowers us and gives us that power back to make that choice. Like we have to make the choice. And, and, and like you, Andrew, like I'm, I'm highly disciplined. Like if I do anything every day, it's my spiritual practice. It's my meditation, my contemplation, my journaling, mm -hmm. my self-inquiry every single effing day. Right. <laughs> and it sucks. But and the joy, the joy that you have when you do it makes it all that much easier. Mm -hmm. And there's something else. Here's a hard truth. I've said this on my own show many times. If you are not journaling, you're faking your spirituality. Mm. Okay. And that's a hard truth for a lot of people. If you are not chronicling and journaling your experience, you're faking it. Wow. And you're not going to fake it till you make it in this reality. 
Yep. Wow. Oh, look at these. We got some, we've got some great uh, grades coming in. B plus in building. B moving to an A. We have a C excited to move to an A. <laughs> Enthusiastic B plus. <laughs> B, B plus. Okay. I don't now see you these, so that's good. <laughs> that's okay, because now they got a frame of reference of what effort really is mm -hmm. and how effort can pay you back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, because that effort is what then it, it becomes effortless. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what's so great is like the, the, all the years of discipline that I've put into it. Like now, there's an expansiveness that comes through the discipline, and it is joyful exactly. and it is fun and it is funny too. I had this experience two weeks ago. You'll laugh at this, Andrew. I think you will. Anyways, I had this experience. I was in this dream, and these, um, you know other dimensional beings were coming and it was all this pink light and it was like hitting me in this velocity. And in years past, something like that, I think in a lucid state, I probably would have had fear. And in this dream, I like put my arms out and I was like, bring it on beauties. And I was like shouting in the dream. And, and I share that because that is a result of effort and discipline and letting go of fears and programs and mm -hmm. all those things. So it makes it so worthwhile, but it was really funny. I woke up laughing. So I was like, oh my gosh, what was I even doing? <laughs> when you wake up laughing out of a practice like that, you know something wonderful has happened. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. And that pink light energy was love, which you already know. Yes, it was. We were just embracing love at a whole new level, which broke you out of the plateau that you were on, and now you're on a whole different vertical vertical climb. Yeah. And, of course, then it's, like, wild afterwards. Do you ever feel like when you have a big shift like that, then everything's, like, really crazy for a couple of weeks? Um, I, I have in the past. I have such vertical climbs that, that that's like mountain climber who's climbed every mountain in the world already. So for me, it's not so harsh. Mm -hmm. um, I call it climatization where it's like yeah. if you're moved to 5,000 feet above sea level, yeah, you're a little short breath for a while and you're back down to the ocean or in your really humid country, it takes time for you to, to adjust. It's just not long-term. I adjust and adapt so fast because of the practices that I do and, you know, the amount of effort that I put into my own personal practice and then the amount of private sessions that I do. I mean, I'm, for, for nine years, I've been doing 25 sessions a week, which is unheard of. Okay. Yeah, that's All heavy duty. It's a, it's a cry factory from 10 AM to 6 PM. <laughs> okay. To have full on transformational, no matter where they're at, you know, I, I, I put my a plus a plus 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 effort into it. And ultimately is, what are they going to get six months from now? What is their greater inner journey? How can I how can I truly help them plant something in themselves that's not a seed of doubt? Because so many people are stuck watering seeds of doubt and thinking that that's not a seed of doubt. That's a seed of change. No, it's just doubt. It's a weed infecting your infecting your inner sacred space. And you sometimes you got to pull out those spiritual roundup. Okay, <laughs> spray it all the weeds down. Oh, I love that. That's so good. We have a great comment. <clears throat> Tracy says, I really like the martyr reference, how I've put others first. It always felt good to help everyone until I realized that I should be the first on the help list. And let I, I we weren't even going to get into this, but let's talk about martyrdom for a minute, because I think that is, to me, that's a program, a, a pattern, a program, whatever word you mm -hmm. want to use, but it can man, also is that be, out there. And it could also be a self-created demon. Yeah. And I use the term demon not as an external source, a self-created demon in which you've given so much power, it has full parasympathetic control over you. There are people who are martyr, martyrs to their body image, and they create such powerful food programs that quite literally they're getting 5 or 10 grams of protein a day and starving themselves. They're as bad as Dachau death camp people. Dachau mm -hmm. death camp people still getting 12 grams of protein a day, averaging, all right? And then there are people that go 12, 15, 20, 30 days with 5 and 10 grams of protein, or they have a 20-gram protein shake and think that's real protein for the body. No, it isn't. Protein shakes should only be used when you're trying to build muscle. So if you're trying to lose weight and taking protein shakes, you're actually doing more damage to your body. And the body martyr image is so destructive in men and women today. And I, I have a, such a personal irking with these people who think 
uh, fasting, intermittent fasting to lose weight, so destructive on the body, so destructive in the spiritual and the dreaming world when you're purposely starving yourself. Learn how to eat right. Change your relationship with food. Don't let that martyrship program win because literally people can't eat. They feel full. That's how much control that martyr program has. And like I said, when everyone else's emergencies are more important to you, when does your emergency make a difference? Mm -hmm. If the barter program has that much control over you and you're going to try to claw power pack from it, what's it going to do to beat you up back up? Shame, blame, and guilt. You're not taking care of them. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. Woe is me. Got to learn to shut them up. You got to learn to... To, to just like a, like a New York City detective uh, uh, show, put the light in front of them. Where were you last Thursday night? Making sure everyone else's emergency was more important than mine. As, you have to learn to, act like, to put an aspect of yourself, especially the martyr side, and, ask, and actually learn to ask it, what's your purpose? If all of your purposes were complete, what would you succeed at? Not martyr program. What is your greatest your greatest greatest level of success? Limiting me so I never experience? What you'll learn is these programs have one and two arguments for your limitations. And then you'll learn how to flip the argument to an argument of success. Okay? And yeah. flipping frequencies is a vital technique in the spiritual growth. It's how you can take an external negative entity and kick it in the in the metaphorical nuts. By flipping the frequency on its negative argument, you must submit to me. No, I'm a sovereign individuated being who's using the power of the light and the sun right now to blast you with the sun and light because you're just a shadow. Poof, instantly took the frequency on that, on that on that unique entity or your own self-created darkness and shadows, shining light on it, letting it speak its truth and you hearing how screwed up its truth really is and going, huh? I've been following that wisdom for that long. No more. Mm -hmm. We have a question for you. So Christine says, Martin Luther King Jr. was a martyr. When is it okay to stand for something in full integrity? Was Martin Luther King a martyr? He She's was martyred. He was yeah. martyred. There's a difference. Wow. We, we must understand the spiritual terminology of a martyr. It's... It's having a cause, which is not you, in which you lose yourself into that cause and become a zealot. That This way is the only way of doing. And I will fall on my sword and kill myself to make sure that this way is the only way. Okay. When it comes to martyring, it's giving away all of your time, effort, and energy until you have nothing left for yourself. That's a martyr program. Martin Luther King was literally martyred. He became a martyr when he was killed. But that's a spiritual journey in which a powerful human teacher at a unique time of change actually affected black, white, Asian. Is there, I mean, to, to his day, the I Have a Dream speech makes just about everyone who understands it cry. Because mm -hmm. it truly represents sovereign freedom, the unalienable rights we are all meant to have under the, under the terminology of God, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I see him as a teacher, not a martyr. Mm -hmm. I, I want to create speeches as powerful as he did. That's why I modeled someone of my public speeches off of, off of his creative flow. What do you think is the, the number one thing for us right now when it comes to our sovereignty? Like, what, what do you think people, there's a lot of talk about sovereignty and freedom and self-empowerment, all these things. And I'm just wondering, what do you think everyone, if they're looking to take some of their power back or to, you know, really stand in their own sovereignty as a human being, like, what is, what is it that they do? Or what is the focus? Or what is your thought about that even? So first thing, there's no one cookie cutter way to get sovereignty back. Mm -hmm. It's every person's a little bit different. And you can't follow the letter of the, the teachings to the letter of the law. And there are certain ways that people tell you to get sovereignty back. Like I have contract revocations. Is that for everyone? Technically, it's made for everyone. There are some people that just can't do it. 
Why? Because they've lost so much of their sovereignty. They literally have to start crawling like babies before they can take baby steps. And then there are others who understand the nature of sovereignty and know that clawing, they're clawing back the power is a long-term journey. Healing is a, is a process, not an event. And we begin to solidify process and not event. We understand how one contract revocation can give us 1.5% of our power back. But the next point, five days, we keep giving our power away. Okay, we gave 10% of our power away. So it's really about commitment and dedication to, to making it a zero-sum balance, meaning you're never losing, but you're always at that, that thing where you're never, you, 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 sorry, a positive-sum balance, not a negative, a zero-sum balance. Zero-sum is never changing. You want to start getting the positive motion going and learning the variety of techniques that can get you there. Variety is so vitally important because sovereignty is a myriad, a myriad of experiences and collective energies that sometimes we have to decompartmentalize within ourselves and break down the individual pieces so we can truly claim the power and own it again. And then there are a lot of people who are afraid of their power. They shut their psychic skills down when somebody made fun of them in the fifth grade or their parents yelled at them, there's not a monster on your bed, under your bed. For whatever reason, they shut it down and then they can't turn it back on. And that's claiming your power back to turn it back on. And all the fear programs that were created by the young little child who shut it down and the trauma of shutting it down, the actual physical damage it did to the central nervous system. You got to heal that again. Then there are some sovereign actions. You just have to ask for help. Part of spirituality is learning to ask for help. And so many people never get body work. They go 10, 20 years never having a massage. They end up having knots on top of knots on top of knots, and they think they're a healthy human being. Sovereign is under sovereignty. is It's a myriad of experiences that we have to take one by one by one so we understand the totality of what we're taking back, and am I ready to hold that? Am I ready to be responsible to my level of awareness and allow my level of awareness equal to my level of responsibility? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suzanne's sharing. She said revocations were a game changer for me. I did the dream time one the other night and I would agree. I love the revocations. I'm on your mailing list and I love them. And Eve says, as far as helping others, I always think of the image of putting the oxygen mask first before helping my child. That's so good, Eve. Yep. I use that. I use that expression all the time. And then there are other times you can't put the mask on for them. They got to put it on themselves. So yeah. many people try to help everybody who don't want to be helped. Mm -hmm. That's the first sign of you being a martyr. Giving people information that they don't give a shit about. Yes, yeah, they might just be placating you and taking it. And if you're one of those people that emails 10,000 pieces of information to everyone on your mailing list and never get a response back, that's martyring. Stop mm -hmm. doing it. Stop giving away that energy. If people truly want it, you're going to get a positive, enthusiastic response out of it. If you're getting no response out of it back or they're just placating you, stop doing it. Yeah. I remember a teacher I had years and years ago. I mean, this is probably 20 years ago, but she said, you know, you can put your hand out to pull mm -hmm. somebody up, but they have to reach out and grab your hand. You cannot right. just go grab them and yank them up. Like they have right. to grab your hand. And that's always stuck with me when I work with people is, are they, you know, reaching their hand back out to me or am I trying to like yank them somewhere? Cause then you have to let it go and you have to mm -hmm. let them go. Right, because you're attached at saving them. Yeah. You cannot save somebody who does not want to be saved. Yeah. Okay, you gotta, they got to create that in their own. And that's tough for conscious, aware, loving beings in this grander awakening. We want everyone to do it, but we got to remind everyone it's an individual awakening first. And if they're not going to be a part of the individual awakening, that's their choice. That's mm -hmm. their choice. Mm -hmm. We just well, can't be attached to the greater outcomes. Yeah. And that's the deep seated, that codependent pattern is so deeply rooted in us mm -hmm. right now as a yep. group. I mean, that's so many of us have had to come. That's been, that's been a lot of, you know, our awakenings, I think is as individuals waking up to the reality that 
You have to focus on yourself, do your own work and let all that other stuff go because we, we, otherwise you're just in the same cycle. That's right. And if you're stuck repeating the cycle over and over and over again and not getting anything new out of it, what is that? That's the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. You have to have those cyclical aha moments. I get it. I get a little bit more now. Oh, wow. Finally, my practice starts to make sense to me. Now I have to give more effort and more more effort and more, more commitment to my practice. Mm-hmm. The greatest thing you can do right now for the grand awakening is work on yourself. Yes. Okay? I get asked that all the time. That's the big question. What can people do? Work on yourself. Okay? And if you're finding you're, you can't work on yourself, ask for help. Mm-hmm. Go and see a cranial sacral therapist specialist. Go and see a deep tissue massage specialist. Have you ever had real deep tissue massage? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. It hurts, no. doesn't it? If you're it not does. screaming, if, if you're not screaming, you're not having deep tissue done. <laughs> but there comes a moment where the pleasure turns into pain. The pain turns into pure pleasure as the, the muscle finally releases and the knot on top of the knot on top of the knot and the muscle that's forever in spasm lets go. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you realize a few days later, yeah, I may be sore, but Jesus, heck, I can't believe how much more energy I have. Oh, my God, my body was that tense. Why did I let it get that bad? Mm-hmm. Never let it get that bad. Unfortunately, a lot of people follow the delusion that my daily spiritual practice will relax the tension in my body. Bullshit. <laughs> it won't. It won't. That's a delusion. If you go 20 years with never having anybody doing body work on you, you're faking it. Mm-hmm. I'm blunt and serious. Okay? You can learn self-massage. You can get those chirp wheels, those those uh, fascial roller wheels, and learn how to self-work your body. And go get those huge body vibrator things that are like, you know, hold by the two hands and grind away at your own muscles. Or you can go into the deepest sense of relaxation and let a master hit the trigger points and get mm-hmm. the spots you can never reach into. Okay? The other thing is the biggest bang for your healing dollars moving forward are flotation tanks. Mm-hmm. Okay? If, you, if you've never done a flotation tank, go and do one. And learn how to ride them like a motorcycle. And once you get good allowing yourself to be in the flotation and truly go into that deeply relaxed state, one hour in the flotation tank is eight hours of full body sleep. Mm. Think about that. The body feels eight hours of rest. And a lot of people who are overworked and underpaid and I do their first float and they come out and go, ah, damn, I'm tired. I'm never going to do that again. I feel weird. It's because your body suddenly went into deep relaxation. And your spiritual practices will never be able to simulate what's in a flotation tank where all the sensory sensory input is turned off and you are your only sensory awareness process. That's why they're so key. I think everybody should have a sensory deprivation tank in their own home and learn how to use it. All of your meditation practice will be amplified a thousandfold. Mm-hmm. I agree. The flotation tanks, the first time I did one was like, I mean... There's nothing like it. And I absolutely agree with the body work and I practice block therapy and you know, you really, you're, you're compressing your body into a block and um, you know, there's so much trapped inside our fascia. Absolutely. Ancestral patterns. Electricity. That's yes. the that's the science. The electricity is stuck in the fascia. And when you get a fascia worker, they're dis, they're dissipating the stored electricity. Yes. Yes. And it's life changing. I mean, now I do a lot of my meditation practice while I'm working my fascia Mm -hmm. and the experience you have is incredible. Okay. And the other thing is breath work. Yeah. Okay. You can learn breath work for free on YouTube from all the Wim Hof videos that are out there or any pranayama Mm -hmm. breathing, whatever it is, flotation tanks and breath work. You can beat it, beat any negative demon out there, no matter what. Salt is the great neutralizer of negative energies and positive energies because there are times positive energies can become very toxic on you because there's no balance between the light and the dark you or the in-between ground. 
Then learning breathing, no matter how strong the, ex the external entity is, you can breathe them out of your reality and take power away from them and use the power of breath to create light inside you, which they cannot harvest. Mm -hmm. Okay? And breathing is free, isn't it? It is. Okay? And then all the other practices. <laughs> That's <be> a t-shirt. <laughs> breathing is free for breathing now. Free. <laughs> for now. You know what that makes me think of is space balls, remember? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Breathing out of the cans. <laughs> yep. Oh. Getting their hit of air. <laughs> Back when movies were great. <laughs> yes, and no, no other movie would ever. Like, that movie could never survive today's counterculture. No, it could not. Never, yeah. <laughs> Majority of those Mel Brooks movies could never su survive the modern counterculture. No. Imagine <laughs> History of the World by Mel Brooks done today. Oh, my God. The counterculture would be all over that. Uh, Cancel yeah. culture, yeah. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be banned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Andrew, it's such a pleasure having you on. Time just flies in here. It's like already been an hour. I can't even believe it. And um, I'm just so glad to have you back. I hope you come back again. I really enjoy talking to you always. Sure. We could set up something regular. We could do this. Yeah, I would love it. Let's do yeah. it. Let's yeah. do it. Because there's just so much. We didn't even get into anything else that I wanted to talk about today. But it's just, this is so, so, so important because the the disciplines and the practices and the healing of the body, this is the work. It's not the astral traveling and all the other things and different stuff. That's fun, but that's not necessarily what we want to focus on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the perk. That's the perk of doing the disciplines, isn't it? <laughs> the perk is when you get, have the mystical moment. Yeah. Where you go, whoa, the, the commitment, courage, and, and, and discipline. I am in a state where this is mystical. And I'm not denying it. I'm not afraid of it. And I am embracing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love you so much, Andrew. Thank you oh, so thank much for on today. And we have so many amazing comments. You guys have been a great audience. And um, yeah, we're going to, let's, let's do this more. And um, thank you everybody for watching. And I'm not back again until next week. So you guys um, have a great weekend. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And thank you again, Andrew. So much love to you. You're welcome. And keep on trucking. Next time the pink energy comes and praise it louder, louder. The next time some weird 19 arm thing wants to have a conversation, mimic yourself with 27 arms and see how it responds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have some yes. fun with it, okay? <laughs> learn learn to find the galactic stand-up comedy rooms that are out there. They are out there. And learn the comedy of what the galactics like to do, okay? One of the reasons I started a comedy show was because I had gone on a metaphorical and literal tour of different world's comedy clubs. Every world has their version of a comedy club. I wanted to know what the Octarians laugh about, what these guys laugh about. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do my own comedy show. Oh, I yeah. love that. Well, and I love your comedy show. And that's awesome because laughter is the best medicine. It's the greatest way we can diffuse the serious energy and the greatest way to heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And you guys can find Andrew. Don't It's all coming across the screen and it's in the notes, but um, he is at the Galactic Historian on YouTube and you can find him on andrewbartsis.com. And um, yeah, we're let's do this again. I'm not even going to say goodbye because we don't have to. <laughs> okay. Have a great time, everybody. Thanks, everybody.